All right, Anadocians, Tommy Bench here. Got another exciting episode for you coming up this week. We got some special guests. We got Bro Exotic coming on, and we have a new guest, the elder Mr. Bench. That's right. Got my old man coming on. We're going to talk about Supreme Court cases. He has some impressive credentials uh, for which to prognosticate. So stay tuned. Looking forward to bringing you a fun and exciting episode. Well, like Michael Ironside said there, warm it all up, everything you've got. So this past week, we had the college football national championship, and that was it was actually a, a surprisingly good game uh, as a football neophyte. I'll, I'll put it that way. I think that's about the most contribution I can have. And it does seem like Danny Belt's kind of miscalled that one. I know the excuses that are going to be coming about Alabama missing two receivers and, and all that stuff. So not a whole lot to comment on there that hasn't been already said. I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised, my my wife being from Georgia, of course, so her Facebook feed was nothing but, you know, marked safe from hearing roll, tide roll, and all that sort of stuff. So it was it was pretty exciting to, to see that. And it, it actually reminded me, in terms of enthusiasm for college football, it reminded me of a, a friend of ours who, who lives in Georgia, who's actually a Georgia Tech grad. And in the past, I had asked him, hey, uh, since since UGA is playing Alabama and I mean, you're you're from Georgia, would you at least cheer for them in that situation? And he let me know in no uncertain terms that if UGA played a team of ISIS all stars in a game of football, he would, in fact, cheer for the ISIS all stars. That's how much he hated UGA as a as a Georgia Tech grad. So. Got to give credit where credit is due to, to diehard fans of their organizations when they when they oppose their um, enemies that much. Uh, that That's real commitment there. So, again, that was exciting. Of course, we're getting ready to get into NFL playoffs here in the upcoming week, and, and we're looking forward to that. Unfortunately, my Eagles will be playing the Bucks, so not really looking forward to that situation too much. But we'll see how we'll see how things go. All right, later on the show, we're going to have Bro Exotic, and then and then at the very end of the show, uh, special guest, uh, the old man, the elder Mr. Bench, and, and we'll get to hear from a, a credentialed legal heavyweight about some of the recent occurrences that have been going on in the Supreme Court, so we're very much looking forward to that. In terms of what we want to talk about today, just for a couple of minutes, you know, this is a, a show that talks about uh, placing the occasional wager. I know most of our faithful listeners place the occasional wager on on sporting events here and there. But I know some people have also gotten into political betting. Interesting article came out, Washington Examiner, talks about old DJT and his odds for 2024. Interestingly, uh, shortly after he left the White House about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, coming up here in six or seven days, he was 10 to 1 odds to win re-election in 2024. Now, keep in mind, this is not 10 to 1 to win the Republican nomination. This is 10 to 1 to win the 2024 election. Currently, the political betting, quote, intelligence site, U.S. Bookies, has Trump as a 3 to 1 favorite in 2024, up from 10 to 1. Now, of course, all things being relative, I mean, what's what's the current sitting president? Well, the, the current sitting president, President Biden, he was at four to one odds a year ago. So he was at four to one. Biden was at 10 to one. That means people believed it was more likely Biden was going to was going to get reelected in 2024 versus Donald Trump winning. Now he's at nine to two. So he's at nine to two. Trump's at three to one. 
Right now, the odds makers are saying Donald Trump wins 2024. Right now, snapshot in time. Of course, a lot could change. A lot could change. But my question is, are things going to get better for Joe Biden? I, I have a hard time seeing that. I have a hard time seeing things go significantly on the upswing. I, I don't see him passing policy that's going to get the economy back on track. Don't see him passing anything that's going to get inflation under control. Don't see him advocating for any policies. See a lot of more, a, a lot of the same division, um, pushing vax mandates that have waning popularity in light of the Omicron, the spread of Omicron. Just see him doing a lot of the same, yelling about voting rights, even though, I mean, 80 million people got out or 81 million people allegedly got out and voted for him. So how are Republicans successfully suppressing the vote if 81 million people voted for Joe Biden? These are the questions that we have, and these are the questions we want answered. However, this does get back to, do we want to see Donald Trump run? I know there's some people and some people listening right now are like, hell yeah, absolutely. And I oscillate back and forth. I oscillate back and forth personally between, I'd like to see him run and win just to see if we could emotionally cripple the liberals and the leftists of this country. Because I just, I don't think they're mentally stable enough to take it. I don't think they could handle it. If on January 21st or 20th of 2025, it's DJT putting his hand back on the Bible to be sworn in. I, I don't think they could handle it. But then I get back to, okay, well, first he'd have to win the nomination. I think most pundits agree that if Trump decides to run in 2024, he will, in fact, win the Republican nomination pretty handily, barring some major, uh, major misstep. But then again, remember in 2016, he had three or four, quote, missteps on the campaign, it seemed like all he did was gain popularity after each one. So uh, you, you can never really count him out being the unorthodox political figure that he is. But but the concern one might have, and again, I oscillate back and forth between, sure, let him run. Let's break liberals and, and see if we can uh, you know, have somebody go in there and bust up and keep draining the swamp and doing all the things he was doing. But then I go back to, okay, he could win the Republican nomination pretty handily. Could he win a general election? There is no doubt Donald Trump does two things, and this is something to keep in mind. He gets out his loyal voters, the loyal, you know, about 30, 35 percent of the country who are very loyal. They would vote for Donald Trump, whether he ran for dog catcher or president. They're voting for him. They see that name Trump. They're pulling the lever for him. But he also drives out the other side. He drives out the other side. And when it comes to Trump, there aren't all the whole lot of people in the middle who are convincible. And that's the one thing that concerns me. But now I'm going to flip-flop. Anecdotally speaking, yes, there have been some polls that have come out that have showed he beats Biden uh, by as much as 10 points in a head-to-head -head matchup. Again, early polls, a lot left to happen between now and the campaign season. Plus, you know, uh, people are not getting the heavy dose of Donald Trump that they were getting because he's been deplatformed. Ironically, ironically, him being deplatformed might be one of the best things for his public image. Um, in fact, it would be awfully ironic if he gets reelected in spite of or almost because he's not able to communicate nonstop and, and just keep up the constant flow of Trumpiness into the into the ether. And so uh, without that, maybe there are some people who might normally get annoyed by his his antics and social media things and, and the news reporting on it. And they're always rolling their eyes. Oh, I can't believe you said that. What a buffoon. What an idiot. But if there's less of that, maybe people don't get as turned off by him. Maybe they only hear the, the occasional clip 
that's on the news at some rally when he says something ridiculous like we need to stop illegal immigration people go well yeah i mean that that's that's kind of reasonable that's not ridiculous so it, it could be ironic that being deplatformed might assist him in rebuilding his image but in terms of actually winning the election and and that small sliver of people who might be convincible and some anecdotal evidence if you want to call it that I, I was listening to to another podcast and they were retelling a story of a business owner. This is a guy up in Massachusetts who he started a Let's Go Brandon store. And that's all he sells. Let's Go Brandon merch, a store. Business is going so well, he's opening up two other locations in Massachusetts. We're not talking about the deep red heart of West Virginia or Texas or Alabama. In Massachusetts. Now, Massachusetts, like a lot of states, Yes, it's got its dark, dark blue, hyper blue, hyper Democrat voting areas surrounding and clustered around cities. And then as you get to most rural rural and exurban areas, you'll see an increase in, in Republicans and Trump voters. But still, the idea that there's enough business uh, to have a Let's Go Brandon store and then open multiple locations, that's that's pretty impressive. And, and perhaps the most interesting story this store owner shared with the podcast he was on he said he had a guy come in, didn't say much, walked up, bought a Let's Go Brandon bumper sticker. Didn't really, wasn't really too chatty. Walked out and he said he observed the guy out the store window and the guy took that bumper sticker and slapped it right over a Biden 2020 bumper sticker. All right. You could be saying, oh, Bench, that's one guy in Massachusetts. You can't really say it's not a trend. You're right. It's not a trend. But if think about the kind of people willing to put a bumper sticker on their car. Now, I think a lot of people put Biden bumper stickers on their car on 2020 or during 2020 just to make sure that people knew they weren't for Trump. And so maybe that guy put his Let's Go Brandon bumper sticker on and he would never vote for Trump, but he just realizes voting for Biden was a mistake. Maybe that's the case. Maybe the guy just couldn't bring himself to vote for Trump and voted for Biden and now realizes what a mistake. That was just terrible. It was awful. This guy isn't going to be able to do any of the things he said he was going to be able to do. Who knows? Maybe that guy's convincible. Maybe in 2024, you can convince him to vote for Donald Trump. It, it will be interesting to observe over the upcoming 18 months because that's when things are going to start to happen. Does Trump and the Trump organization and, and his orbit, are they? do they start building out state-level campaign apparatuses? My, my bet is he's not going to declare anything until after the 2022 midterms. That would, that would suck some of the oxygen out of the room, probably not in a good way. Um, maybe, maybe he's going to time it for when things can't seem like they can get any worse for the Biden-Harris administration. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. So those are just some thoughts on some odds that we're seeing come out about the 2024 race. We'll be sure to be checking back in on those things in the future. All right, coming up here, we've got Bro Exotic. It's always a fun time. Always learn something new. Uh, always find out that the woke keep getting woker. So we look forward to hearing from Bro Exotic. Another week, Danny Belt's taking the week off. Uh, Tommy Bench performing guest host duties. But great to have Bro Exotic. Bro, I, I, I overheard it was media, the, the Church of Woke, something with elections and schools. Can Kids here. I always learn something from it. Absolutely, dude. So yeah, so the uh, the Church of Woke. We started a, a grassroots movement uh, to combat the institutional racism uh, in the education system in regards to undocumented immigrant children. Um, you know, it's 
for far too long, like our education system has been catered to and uh, only allowed privileged, quote unquote, documented children to vote for class president. And, you know, the inequity here uh, for undocumented students uh, who don't currently attend these schools to not have the ability to vote for adolescents who peaked in high school is not on, uh, only abhorrently racist uh, and evil, but just downright un-American, dude. And we're fighting for the civil rights of these kids to not only be able to participate in uh, school voting, but they should also be provided cell phones and data plans paid by the school, uh, the school board, uh, through the communal taxing of individuals uh, monthly who make over the average U.S. income of $31,133 uh, so that they can gain the right and ability to cast text-in ballots. Uh, I mean, and text in also, right, dude, and I mean, you know, not only, you know, if they fear the inevitable uh, racial judgment for voting presently, um, it, I mean, it could be out of fear for uh, contracting Omicron, uh, hashtag mask up, backs up, by the way. Right. Um, and then also... And also, dude, like as an ulterior motive, taxing everyone in the community above the U.S., uh, the average U.S. income will decrease the income gap separating uh, the uh, poor from the rich. And over time, it'll make us uh, all financially equal. Financially equal, but on the lower end of the earning spectrum. Dude, I mean, we're just looking for equality, man. I mean, you know, if we're all helping each other out, making the same amount, you know, uh, there's no judgment. There's no um you know uh we just it's all about being equal dude it doesn't matter how much money we make billionaires shall be in jail millionaires as well but right. i mean if you're making more than thir you don't need thirty one thousand dollars dude i mean if we all work together we can all make it work man sounds like a point now would owners of the local buffalo additional taxes on those franchise locations or how how would that work would they for some yeah, I mean, for some reason or another, uh, they're just strategically outside of schooling zones. So uh, Buffalo right wings would not have to actually participate in these taxes uh, to help these kids get these uh, data plans for their text and ballots. I hear you say you essentially want to allow kids to vote in school elections, even if they don't go to the schools. So I'm right, just dude. spit. I'm spitballing here. What if what if a group of white and I believe. You're using in terms of the race, you have to put the H before the W to make it okay. What what if a bunch of white kids from the suburbs wanted to vote election, say, of a school that was in a more heavily minority area? Can are or just just the other? No, it actually doesn't work that way at all because they oh. already have their white. They already have the ability to vote through their white privilege in the schools that they are. Uh, the schools that they're at and you know they're privileged enough to go to those good schools so why would they need to go anywhere else we're we're trying to uh we're trying to focus on the uh the plight of the uh the undocumented immigrant children here uh they have a voice too and though they don't go to these schools they should have a right to to uh define which kids can run these things and you know what dude what what if they vote in uh these kids who want to knock down the uh the fences in the playground and just let all the undocumented kids play in the playground you know that's kind of what we're looking for we don't want walls no walls, no fences. Right, dude. Just side, Matt. Well, obviously, I get. It. I, get it. I mean, this just this makes sense. I, you know, no, but but the undocumented kids who do come over, they don't need to wear masks or get vaxxed. So, um, I mean, it's it's encouraged, but uh, not enforced. But definitely the white kids, the yeah, the white privileged kids who are already in the schools, they have to do it. Um, you know, just because 
Uh, it's just how the way it is, you know. It's just the way it works. It's complete consistency from the Church of Welk. I, you know, re- really don't have too much. Add. I guess my only question is, uh, will allow mail-in ballots? Uh, well, that would we don't really need that for the undocumented uh, children because a lot of them don't have valid addresses. So giving them cell phones and data plans is an easy way to uh, to uh, just to make it better for them and uh, uh, faster access into voting so they don't have to uh, do that. I, I mean, plus, I mean, you know, the, the cost of stamps these days, you know, uh, due to the yes. trickle down effect of uh, Trump economics, nothing to do with Biden, but all about Trump. We're just in this uh, this downward spiral economically. And you can only you can thank 45 for that one, dude. So, yeah, no, I, I that that case could be. Well, bro, exactly. As always, it's amazing to learn about initiatives from the Church of Woke. They they just continue to impress week after week, and we will look forward to having you back. Updates. Any any any? Do you want to give us any NFL playoff super wild card weekend? I think is what they're calling it. Well, dude. Um... Jerry Jones, big MAGA, so obviously I'm not really for him. Um, the Patriots sound really conservative too. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the uh, the Kansas City uh, Native Americans. Um, right. I, re- I wish I wish they ran. Oh no, that's right. They had a bad season. Uh, yeah. How about the Eagles, dude? I know you like them. I'll, I'll go for the Eagles this time. There we go. The, the, you know, it's not too. So no, no, it's it's pretty it's pretty neutral and uh you know as a uh, way of shaking hands with you so to speak, I'll uh definitely uh go for the Eagles this time. Well, there we go. Well, well, it's a pre. All, All right, right. joining us. We really appreciate your always. Like I say, I always learn something whenever you're on. So thank you for joining us. Glad to help, Bench. Have a good night. Dude. All right. Coming up next on our we got the. My dad is going to come on and we're going to talk Supreme Court. And I'll explain why he's a little more qualified than most to discuss such things. All right, Anadosh. With Bro Exotic, like I said, I always find out there's, there's, it can be. Apparently, you can't just become more welcome. His quest to become is truly impressive. All right, well, we have a special, special treat for faithful listeners. Uh, Bring on the old man, my old man. The elder Mr. Bench. Say hi to the folks. Hello, folks. All right. Some of you might be wondering, boy, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. And people, because they got to fill, fill airtime, guest here for Danny Belts. Well, in this particular case, the guest we have here has some, some credentials that will be germane to the discussion that we're going to have as a relationship at the Supreme Court. Um, and, uh, men, which is his ability, and I think it's a fact that my brother and I have bragged often about his education credentials the last 20 years. Yeah. So I will continue. Dad, it's, it's true you attended Columbia for your under. That's yes, correct. Yes, that is where true. You, where you majored in interpretive lesbian dance theory. Uh, no, I think it was American history, but it was a long time ago. Okay, All right history with involved in lesbian dance theory and is equally marketable at this point in time. Oh, cheap shots. 
So, but but beyond impressive credentials, you attend law school where you and yes, that is were drinking buddies. Uh, well, al- almost quite literally at one point, there was a there was a student cocktail party that he showed up with and showed up at. And I was talking to him. when Both of us had drinks in our hands. So you could, in a way, say that, although he couldn't pick me out of a lineup if his life depended on it. So I'm going to say that we have a legal Supreme Court uh, commentator who is drinking buddies with him. That's where we're going to go. Along <laughs> with. And one of um, one of the other reasons I asked you. My faithful listeners know that I consider myself a proud of the vast right wing. 23rd Thursday at the Watergate Hotel. You must wear your fedora. And, and while you and I, there are a lot of apologies and, and that you and I share, there are some things we disagree on. Fair. That is a fair statement. A fair statement. And some of those things, as it, as it particularly to vaccine mandates, which are, which is what we talked about, the arguments recently heard. You and I have a difference of opinion. I'm, I'm opposed to mandates. You're more supportive of them. Am I fairly fair characterization so uh, far? Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Yes. Admirably so. Well, I, we try to be fair here. We're, we're, we're partisan but fair, right? Instead of fair and balanced, partisan and fair. In fact, that's going to be my new part of So you don't want to miss. But we, we thought we'd have you because. It's not just 10 more minutes of, of somebody else pontificating a conservative viewpoint, and, and we're going to dive into some things. So that, that's part of the reason why I thought we'd, we'd have you on the show. So let's, let's dive in here. So as, as people well, likely aware, if you've been within 50 feet of a TV playing Fox or any podcast in the last six hours, you're, the Supreme Court was hearing cases uh, in Having to do with vaccine mandates for healthcare workers, uh, that that mandate was being administered through the the Center for Medicare, Medicare Services. Uh, not a whole lot there. My, my two cents is uh, the two are going to stand. Might be able to stand uh, from the standpoint. I, I think the government, when it comes to healthcare delivery, given unfortunately how are in it, I think there's more of a leg to dictate the behavior of healthcare workers. So. And we're going to set that one. But really, folks, man, the Biden administration, not to be hest of, I'm sure, issued a mandate that employers with more than 100 employees must require that vaccinated or tested weekly. And that notice that they were going to have that mandate come out, I believe, would become effective here shortly. Many companies got to decided to sue and say this is unconstitutional so far so good on the on the facts of the matter here uh yes mm-hmm. but what has made a lot of hay over the last week in her question or i'm not i'm not casting spurs just just quote it comment that over a hundred thousand hospitalized many of them in serious condition and on ventilators and of course republicans they ferociously pounce with such ferocity that the unlike any before of course and i'm sure a lot of politicians decided to raise money off of it if i were an elected official uh, raising email would have gone out 
millisecond her mouth. So, uh, yeah, partisan, but fair. So the question is, and, and our guest comment for a little bit. The question is, the statement is and the, the fact is, and it was later confirmed, I believe Rochelle Walensky and, and other health, public health officials, know it's really more like 3,500 children currently hospitalized. And, and I believe any if they on it even later. That's where I believe we For our legal expert here, a misstatement of fact by a judge. How Paying attention to how much hay being made of thing. What give us give us your well, son. Good, good comments one. that good the, one. <laughs> comments that the justices make at oral argument are by and large uh, they're they're not taken too seriously by the, the the people who are most concerned with those with what's going on in front of the court at that moment, which is the lawyers for the two sides that are uh, contesting the, the issue before the court. Uh, it is frequently the case. And just as to give some background for those uh, for, for your listeners, it's frequently the case that justices will uh, take a position directly contrary to what they actually believe or are leaning toward simply because they want to hear they want to press the other the lawyers and get the uh, the best argument that they can out of the other side as to why the position that the justice actually favors um is is not a good one or or should be should should not be accepted uh there really isn't a whole lot of attention paid to what they say in the in the Supreme Court chamber when the oral argument is going on, what they write subsequently is very much something that is scrutinized and uh, microscopically so by the parties to the case, but also by future uh, litigants who are wondering, well, how does this case stack up against us or for us? And what does the court say in its opinion? And that's really where most the constitutional experts, the lawyers, the professors, the commentators, they're all going to be looking. They're all going to pick apart the written opinion uh, endlessly. What gets. And I'm just I can't think of an example where something said by a justice at an oral argument really had any kind of lasting impact on the case itself. So I, I, a question that I would have in assessing, in commentators assess how fair a justice might be ruled, ruling, when there's a, a misstatement of fact to that order of magnitude, you know, off by, th- is it fair to be critical of that justice's decision to say, well, look, you, you, you're supposed to, the arguments made, when it comes to COVID and mandates, it both look, all people, it's just, you've been saturated. You've been simmering and stewing in news about COVID for two years. On the left, a variety of sources, you're just, you're inundated with it. So it's, it's impossible to assume that the justices don't have some preconceived notions coming in. Is it a fair criticism to say, how can you possibly be rendered 
honest and fair opinion, if the the things that you view as a fact pattern are so off? Well, it's 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 possible, I suppose, that a justice could be so disconnected from reality in asking questions that uh, a question, a, a reasonable question could be raised about whether he or she had had enough of a grasp of the situation or was so simply so far off the edge of having already decided in, in one way or another and, and, and wasn't going to be swayed by any legal argument or even uh, recitation of the facts. Um, keep in mind, when the Supreme Court is hearing a case, it's not hearing factual evidence. All it's hearing is a bunch of lawyers who put together this written record and presented it to the court and said, here's the evidence upon which a lower court made a decision. Now, in this case, it's a somewhat unusual because there was no litigation through lower courts, I under- as I understand it. But in general, what happens is lower courts spend all the time finding facts. And then the Supreme Court is, is I, wa- I was going to say stuck with, but perhaps that's not fair, but the Supreme Court is supposed to be limited to the facts that were found by lower courts and then it's supposed to it's supposed to apply the law, the Constitution to those facts that had been found here. There were I don't think there were any facts. The record is probably pretty sparse. Uh, so it, it's possible that you could look at her comments and say, well, she's really uh, th- this is being un- uh, this is not being very judicious or judicial. And in th- I, I believe Ruth Bader Ginsburg got in trouble uh, at one point when she rather casually remarked about something having to do with a case or something having to do perhaps with Trump himself. But she, she said something that was extremely unusual for a Supreme Court justice to say in public. And that that and she I, I don't know if she apologized or I, I believe she made a comment saying, oh, he's not going to get elected or something. I mean, it was something. But it, it's it's generally they they eschew politics in public and they really do want to avoid it. Breyer just wrote an entire book. Uh, well, he gave it. He gave a talk, a lecture, and he turned it into a book about the importance of um, the court trying to remain above politics. Um, so, uh, yes, it's possible that you could make that ar- make the argument you're making. But in the end, it, it's to my knowledge, no Supreme Court justice has ever been um, has ever been taken off a case because of something like that. Um, right. And I think there's only been two or three impeached in the entire history of the country. And, right. Right. And I don't think it was a, and it was had nothing to do with anything like this. Right. And and I don't I don't even think the, the furthest to the right commentators advocating impeachment. I did see somebody try to make. Because of such a misunderstanding and misstatement of fact, she should recuse herself. I, I, I think a, a far stretch. So a little deeper. And I mean, we're not going to go footnote four, discreet and insert minorities deep into the case. <laughs> Very good. You were paying yep. attention. Yep. yep, I was paying attention. For, for people who don't know, that's the most famous footnote in Supreme Court history, having to do with a, a, a case, Caroline Products. 
Caroline products. Caroline products uh, pointed to by the pro-life movement to say, well, if, if there's a duty to just to protect discrete insular minorities, uh, that must include the unborn. So anyway, it, the, the most famous footnote in Supreme Court history. So just nerding out there a little bit. But I'm going to put you on the spot here, Harvard Law. And, and as Jack Nicholson said to Tom, what I is for you to stand there with that and those slightly less than heterosexual pants you're wearing <laughs> and show me some courtesy. Uh, for people who don't know, go watch that scene from A Few Good Men. It's, it's one of the best scenes in movie history. It includes a, a colloquialism for sexuality that is not permitted to be used here. Yes. Outstanding scene. All right, here we go. Would you agree? I learned this tactic while being questioned by a lawyer in a mediation. Would you agree that the executive branch on its own in other words, Joe Biden sits down with a pen and paper and says, everyone over the age of 18 has to get a vaccine. Far stretch to say that's in the Constitution. I, I would agree that the president does not have that authority. I, correct. Okay. Would you also agree? And this, this is where a, a lawyer tried to do this to me once. And I said, well, no, I don't. I cut her off. And I said, no, I don't agree because I agree with your previous statement. So I can't say yes to what you're about to say, no matter what you say. And the look she gave me over, over Zoom, it was a mediation. It, this look was like I didn't spend three years at Vassar Law School to be talked to that way by somebody like you. Anyway. Vassar doesn't have a law school. Okay, that was where she did undergrad. I forget where she went to law school. I just, I remember that stuck out and I'm sure she was five beta kappa or, you know, something, whatever. Anyway, would you also agree that it's a bit of a stretch for an executive agent to issue such things? such as OSHA, and or well, make the, would you, given, given the OSHA mandate, how would you make the constitutional argument? Well, wait, wait, make the constitutional argument for what? That OSHA has the authority? Or that, that OSHA, just... yes, that, that OSHA has the authority. You're, you're well, the Inspector general for the Biden administration. They called you out of retirement and you're, you're before the justices. Well, uh, you always have to go back to the fact that um, the uh, the authority, the, the only authority that can exist for imposing legal requirements on citizens, entities, businesses, whatever, resides in the legislature. The executive branch uh, cannot can, cannot um, do it itself. It can't create its own executive agencies, which then go out and issue regulations, laws, etc. All of that must come from the legislature. So the legislature has created a, an administrative agency called OSHA, and it gave it certain powers. Really, the fundamental argument, the argument comes down to this. Does the statute and its reference to preventing uh, harm to workers, uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't have the, uh, the exact language in front of me, but it's pretty, it's pretty broad. Does that statute allow OSHA to issue an emergency regulation that would require employers to mandate, to, to, to vaccinate employees uh, or test them? In other words, whatever the, re whatever the regulation particularly is here. Um, and I think that it's not, a, it's not a, a, a lead pipe cinch for the Biden administration that it does but I also don't think, unlike 
some other commentators. I think I heard Ben Shapiro talking about this the other day. That's, I also that's, don't think that's that Mr. Just, Shapiro to you, Mr. Shapiro. I also don't think that it's that it is uh, uh, just so blatantly unconstitutional that it's a crime against humanity. It's it really falls into one of these areas where reasonable people could look at the statutory language and say, eh, this does seem to cover threats to the health of, and safety of workers if they're being exposed to the, to the virus in the workplace. Um, and on the other side, you have people, you have an argument that, yes, but this is an emergency decree. It's been rarely used and actually not always upheld by courts when they examined the evidence upon which the uh, administrative agents on, on which OSHA acted. So uh, I would say, does Congress have the power to do this? I think they do. Have they done it with OSHA? I'm not sure. And I, if I were on the Supreme Court, I'd almost more lean toward, um, I'd, I'd probably lean toward going with, um, accepting OSHA's arguments and I might not accept the arguments in the other case, which I know you, you don't want to get into, which is the, the medical, the, the Medicare administration right. and, um, and the language that covers what they're doing. So let's just stick with OSHA. OSHA's language is a little more is broad and also talks very directly about threats to the health of workers. So I would uh, to me, this is a difficult case. And there's a saying uh, from from that every law student hears at one point or another in their career, uh, uh, hard cases make bad law. And this is a hard case. Um, So that's that's where I would that's where I would come out. Um, You know, Biden couldn't take Biden can't can't just implement, you know, Trump at one point said he could close the country down and, um, you know, he could shut businesses and do everything. Right. And, you know. He he didn't he didn't pursue that line of thought, but he was probably very quickly told by his White House counsel that, no, he doesn't have the authority to do that. Right. Um, so so neither does Biden. I'm just happy. Griswold and your rationale for why you'd like to see a vaccine mandate. Uh, well, um, uh, for folks, for for the list faithful, I'm, I'm trying to trip up Harvard Law here. Um, Griswold is the case in print numbers. There are emanations yeah. that hidden on, right? Was that no, that actually emanations of penumbras came out of uh, the Roe versus Wade. Griswold no. was an earlier case where they 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 were faced with. Um, I believe Griswold was the case where uh, it was illegal to sell. Believe it or not, it was illegal to sell contraceptives in Connecticut. I think it was. And um, the police found contraceptives in somebody's bedroom and, and charged them and, and uh, uh, or charged them for buying them. I, I, I forget the facts, but the Supreme Court was so appalled at, at first of all, the stupidity of this of the statute of state statute that they um, they expanded a very, very flimsy right of privacy to start including um, the privacy in the marital bedroom and, and privacy and, and it really kind of. They, they sort of shifted over from a right of privacy to a right of autonomy and and which led directly to Roe. And then, of course, to um, the uh, 2015 case where the Supreme Court said that uh, uh, gay marriage was um, uh, was could not be banned by the states uh, be, again be on, on on the basis of personal 
privacy and autonomy. It's a, it's become much broader than it originally started out. As. Well, now I, it's, I see where you, I, I understand what you're, what you're, um, I understand the illusion that you make. In other words, can people claim, well, I have a right to autonomy, to a right to privacy that the government can't force me to be vaccinated. Actually, and I would would actually probably agree with that, that if the government tried to force you physically to have a medical, any kind of medical procedure against your will, Unless you were an, unless you were an incompetent, put that to one side, you know, or you were a minor right. and nobody was looking out for you. I'm, t- I'm talking you're a fully competent adult human being, and the government. For- I don't think the government has the right to force uh, anything on you. However, the government has a lot of other r- ways that it can do things, and they're not all of them unconstitutional. And taxation, for example, is one of them, and um, you know, r- uh, administrative regulation is another. To be, I was more saying I would expect somebody who's pro-mandate say there are emanations and penumbras from the general welfare clause. That's that was the route I would expect somebody who's pro-mandate to go. But, yeah, but I, but well, but but I mean, then you go then you go down the the path, and this is what um, Justice Sotomayor. I, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, maybe it was Kagan made this point and i'm relying on on ben shapiro's summary so i forgive me if i a reliable source and if i don't get this exactly correct but she was asking at one point doesn't the federal government have police power to um to ensure the health of the population and um and just just as an aside that doesn't we're not talking about dragnet or or hawaii 50 police power it means it, it, in, in constitutional parlance, that means that a state and it's always been thought of as the states having this power. A state has a has certain powers to protect the health and welfare of its citizenry that really can impinge to some extent on people's rights. But it's important if it protects people, it can have a police force, it can have a public health service. It can mandate vaccines for school children. That but kind of thing. what states you just said, do that the state. The state, tenth amendment. The state, yes, states, as in the fifty states and the District Correct. of Columbia. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of saying that the federal government has that kind of police power. Now, Kagan was throwing that again. Justices like to throw things out to see what the reaction is going to be. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that she doesn't understand that constitutional law has evolved along the lines of states have this police power federal government it has to have a statute passed by congress that that can that congress can constitutionally pass to give it the power to do something that she understands that distinction she's just throwing things out to see what you know see what kind of reaction she gets my favorite uses of emanation i was once arguing with my my brother who believes three steps to the left of says he listens to the show and occasionally i because he uh, feedback on particular comments. I said that I am number that I can own an F-15 Sidewinder missiles through the Second Amendment, and I see no fault in that logic. But, all right, because we're we're running a little long here on the segment. Um, despite growing up in New York, I have never known you to be a giant fan. This is a sports podcast, so we're going to end on sports here. True statement. 
Uh, well, I was when I was under the thrall of my father, who was had been a Giants fan from the time he was a kid back in the twenties. So, right. um, but once I moved away, I gradually was weaned off of New York teams uh, and a lot of other New York stuff. Um, but uh, and, so and I'm not a fan of the Giants now. No. Okay, and and you've been a pretty pretty uh, diehard, but a, a- of the Eagles and you're there I would yes yes cheer I'm, for them I'm okay. very happy when they I can't say I watch every game but I'm very happy when they win and I wish them luck in the playoffs they'll, right. they'll need it so got to make a prediction you got put down beating the Bucks. how many how many dollars do I have to put down thousand bucks are the Eagles beating the Bucks? In the- well Thinking about my grandchildren, who to whom I wish to leave a legacy, I would. I'm afraid I'd have to put it on the Bucks. Okay. Well, now so here's the follow-up question, because this is you know a sports podcast, and our, our uh, diligent host often talks about the line, the things. The Bucks are favored by eight and a half. So do you take that? And what what I mean by that is, Bucks will win nine points more, or do you think Eagles can come within eight points? Of the bucks, same thing. Um, Ten thousand bucks. Uh, I, I wish it were otherwise, but I I think the bucks are going to win by eight points or more. All right, well, folks, unfortunately, Dan Belts is is taking the week off. The only prediction you're getting is the elder Mister Bench saying that the bucks are going to cover. Put the house, put the mortgage on it, take out your kids' fight, put it all on there. Side note: This is not in the sports cast, and record not be going up on the Instagram page. All right, Pops, <laughs> we really appreciate you joining us. Any any closing thoughts or wisdom you wish to leave our faithful Anadotians with? Uh, well, just that uh, wherever you're going, there you are. There are. Wise words, wise words. Um, <laughs> it was the best of plagiarize here. All right, as always, Dad, great talking. Thanks for joining us here. Thank you, thank you. Well, in Goshen's, if you got this far through the episode, you probably noticed there were some audio quality issues. Unfortunately, we don't discover that until we get to the cutting room floor and start editing and stitching things together. So we appreciate you sticking with us. We appreciate you listening week to week. Next week, Danny Belts should be back, and we'll really be diving into NFL playoffs and all other things concerning sports, sports betting, and really getting after it at that point. So again, appreciate you guys listening and look forward to connecting with you next week.